NFL show which swears it isn't a podcast. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify and a few other websites which aren't quite as cool. I am your host Chris Murray, joined as ever by my beautiful other half. He's the Gronk to my Brady. It's Scott Hasty. Hi Scott. The future is now. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Welcome to the show. I notice you're not wearing your customary Baltimore Ravens jersey, and that is for a very important reason. Scott, we said when we started, we would only do these shows if there was something important to talk about. Yes. The NFL podcasts are shit. Um, And what an important weekend we've got ahead of us. The NFL draft is this weekend, April 29th to the 1st of May, in various locations across Cleveland, Ohio, including First Energy Stadium, Boo! And the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yay! Um, I've said to Scott many times, I know nothing about college football. Nothing at all. I just know that at some point, seven guys will hopefully turn up for the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> so for this episode, and this episode only, our couple becomes a threesome. Joining us for the very first time is our very own college football expert. It's Nels Burleson Hilton. Welcome, Nels. What up, what up? <laughs> I'm sorry, that definitely peaked way too loud. I'm very sorry, but good to be here, boys. Nels, thanks for joining us. Um, you know so much more about college football than me. One of the first messages you ever sent me, we had uh, never met in real life, and one of the first messages you ever sent me was like, so what do you think of the draft? And I was like, eh, 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 I have to be cool. Don't know him yet. And I was just like, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know anything about it. But we have to cover it. It's a huge event in the NFL calendar. This is the, this is the point where teams get the opportunity to turn their, you know, next 10 years of their franchise around. I've said before that one of the Steelers' draft picks in 2004, Ben Roethlisberger, you know, 17 years ago now, is the entire reason that I watch NFL. If the Steelers hadn't drafted him, I might not even be interested in this sport. So it's such a huge moment. But um, yeah, Nils, this, this weekend... You must be very, very excited. I mean, absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. You know, you really get the opportunity as a franchise to either turn your franchise around or, you know, if you don't pick right, you could be at the bottom of the barrel again next year. So, yeah, it's one of the most exciting um, parts of... It's one of the most exciting parts of the National Football League calendar. You get to see all the best players in college, see how they fare in the NFL... And this is where we begin to see, you know, some future stars really take center stage. And of course, um, there are always there, there are always some diamonds in the rough that you find in the deeper rounds of the draft, which is always amazing to see. Absolutely. So um, it's the first draft of the sort of post-coronavirus era. Hopefully, they will be having some fans in it. A couple of these events. Thank God they're in a massive stadium. Hopefully, they reduce the capacity, unlike UFC last night. <laughs> And um, yeah, it's an exciting time. This is this for me. I know there's a lot of other things that happen around this time, but this for me, this is the first step towards the new season. Everyone knows that the off season between the Super Bowl finishing and that first game you have in September feels like forever. Um, and this is our first step towards getting um, more games and a new season in. So Scott, over to you. You've picked out quite a sweet little system on how we're going to do this today. Um, take the listeners through it. Yeah, so myself and Nels have been putting the hours in. We've been doing all of our Rocky training montages, but instead of working out, we've been working through mock drafts. We've been working through collecting information. And what we're going to do on 4th and Out is effectively bring you 4th and Out's mock draft. 
um, before the proper draft comes around next week. Um, so what we're going to do is Nelson and I are going to take it in turns to go with alternative picks. Um, we flipped a coin before the match and um, I have come out with my um, first pick. So I'll be picking the odd numbers and Nelson will be picking the even numbers. Um, and the way that we're going to do this is by using a mock draft client, which which uh, Chris is going to get up on the screen about now. 2021 NFL Mock Draft Simulator. I am not going to share my sound. Um, can you guys go. see my screen? Do we have a draft yes. simulator in the back? Wonderful. Wonderful. We, are, we are all ready to start. So as soon as Chris hits the word start draft, it'll be over to myself and Nell <coughs> to kind of um, pick the first round yep. of what we think is going to go down at the NFL draft. So um, shout out to PFF for basically making our lives so much easier with this, especially mine who knows nothing about the draft. You guys are going to pick the picks as, you know, mock live as it is in front of me. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, Scott's going to go first. So hopefully if I hit start draft, is that right, Scott? Yep. Start draft. So officially, thankfully it's not timed because we probably take a little bit longer than they will. Thankfully, it's not timed, and the Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock. So, Scott, are you going to pick the next Peyton Manning, or are you going to pick the next Ryan Leaf? Okay. The Jacksonville Jaguars are in an interesting position. I think they've basically had a full reset. Um, they've decided to bring in a new coach in Urban Meyer, who is one of the greatest college football coaches of all time. Um, they have made it very, very, very clear that they're going to be taking a quarterback at pick one. Um, and there is nothing in this world, no amount of riches that could pry them out of that first round pick. Um, they are absolutely taking the quarterback of the future here. And I think this pick has been locked in for months. And the reason it's been locked in for months is because Clemson's Trevor Lawrence has come through college football with a pristine college football record. The guy won a national championship age 19. The guy is just, he, he has a perfect score, A pluses for all his classes. Um, he will be coming in to the NFL with the same kind of recommendations that Andrew Luck got coming into the NFL. That That's exactly who his um, kind of like, NFL comparison is is Andrew Luck, and actually, if I'm right in saying Nels, um, he scored higher than Andrew Luck, and therefore is the highest scoring quarterback of all time with his kind of college um, score. Is that right? Yeah, he's the highest rated college college quarterback of all time. Um, he beat Andrew Luck to that record. So for me, um, you know, we we could sit here all day and talk about the fact that he is a complete chameleon with every single scheme he can work every single scheme you, you you can throw him into whatever scheme you want it will work um he's just going to be a star in this league um so get used to the name um it'll be interesting to see what they do in the first year with urban meyer and trevor lawrence both in but yes first pick of the nfl draft this year will be trevor lawrence quarterback clemson if you can lock that in so I'm going to lock this in to the Jag Jacksonville Jaguars with the first overall pick. Nils, do you think there's any doubt in anyone's mind that Trevor Lawrence is going to the Jags? Uh, no, I think this guy is the future of the league. You know, he's built like 
a, a skinny defensive end that can play quarterback. He's 6'6", 220 pounds. He's got the arm talent to back it up. And if he needs to use his legs, he can. So I don't think there's been a better quarterback prospect over the last few years. And I definitely think he's going to be, you know, the heir apparent to the GOAT throne in the NFL. I think that's a good pick because I feel like, you know, there's the comparisons to Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck is always the first person that comes to mind as NFL-ready starting quarterback. A lot of the starting quarterbacks, or, or sorry, a lot of the quarterbacks that have been drafted recently to come in as starters have never really panned out quite that way. You know, Baker Mayfield, he took a while to get going. You look at guys like um, what your man who's just left the Tennessee Titans. Um, Marcus Mariota. Yeah, who was there for ages. Um, it, 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 you know, a lot of these early picks aren't quite panning out as perfectly you know a lot of them get there eventually but it's not been sort of andrew luck style going straight away you know taking his team to the playoffs so you know there's other holes that need to be sorted at the jacksonville jaggers but this could easily be the first step so we're on to the nice even numbers nels what do you think is going to happen with the new york jets at number two so pick two is an interesting pick and that's because it's thrown up quite a few curveballs in recent weeks. You know, when um, the college football season ended before the start of the NFL season, um, we could have said comfortably that Justin Fields was going to be the second quarterback taken off the board. You know, he reached the national championship um, final. Unfortunately, Ohio, uh, uh, Ohio State um, came up short. But if you go way back to the high school days, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence were on the same Elite 11 camp and Justin Fields won Elite 11 MVP. So he actually beat Trevor Lawrence to an accolade. <clears throat> so in recent weeks, the names that have been thrown around here include, of course, Justin Fields from Ohio State, Mac Jones from Alabama. But I think the consensus second pick has to be Zach Wilson from BYU. Six foot three, 210 pounds junior from BYU. He is incredible at throwing a football he showed that at his pro day it's worth noting as well that obviously this year there was no nfl combine so um there was a lot more focus put on teams uh on college football's pro days um instead and yeah he he just displayed his incredible arm talent he displayed his incredible ability to run outside the pocket under pressure but one of the biggest question marks about zach wilson coming into this um, NFL season next year is we don't know what he's like under pressure. We don't know what he's like when his pocket really collapses against a big team. He hasn't really faced the same level of competition in college that Trevor Lawrence has faced or even Justin Fields has faced. And we know what Justin Fields is like under adversity. So I definitely think he's got the talent. I think he's got the leadership skills. He's got all the qualities that you need in a great quarterback. But we just there are, there are some questions. But I do think. At number two, the Jets are going to go with Zach Wilson. Excellent. Well, let's lock in Zach Wilson to the New York Jets at number two. But, Scott, here's the important question. Is this the perfect fit for the New York Jets? And I don't mean in a team sense. We know that I would say in terms of the media, the New York teams, particularly the Jets and the Giants, are the most under-pressure teams to get things right as quickly as possible. Their fans and their media just never settle for things you know work in progress anything like that they want big and they want now is this the right fit it's an interesting one i um i wasn't even sure that um Saleh, who's come over from the 49ers is the right fit to be the head coach there i think with the jets 
there is a, a hell of an uphill battle to have in terms of taking that team and making it better, you know. Um, I still think there's a good chance that Sam Darnold might turn out to be a good quarterback. We we, we might just have had the worst franchise in recent memory um, with the Jets. So a change of culture is going to be tricky. Um, and I think at this point, it's really, really tricky to call whether Zach Wilson or indeed Saleh is going to work. But what I will say is that Zach Wilson is a guy who's played similar schemes that um, Shanahan has at the 49ers. And who worked under Shanahan there? Saleh. So this could be a good fit. It feels like a good fit with them partnering together, but whether them as a partnership works on the grander scheme of things, I'm I'm not quite sold just yet. So at number three, unexpectedly, we have the San Francisco 49ers. And guys, if you will allow me, it took us a while to get here. So originally this was the pick of the Houston Texans, I do believe. Now, Houston traded the pick to Miami before the draft. Houston traded their first and second uh, 2020 first rounder, as well as offensive tackle Julian Davenport and defensive back Johnson Badamosi to Miami in exchange for Kenny Stills, Larry Tunstall, sorry, a sixth rounder and a 2024th round selection. However, it doesn't end there because (laughs) Miami then traded their selection to San Francisco, which is how we ended up here. They traded their third overall pick to San Fran in exchange for their first and third round selections, 12th overall and 102nd overall, plus a 2022 first rounder and a 2023 first rounder. Oh my God, it's the most dumbass trade I've ever seen in my whole life. But that is not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about who San Fran are taking at number three. So over to you, Scott. Will we see our third quarterback come off the board in a row? So <laughs> when we <laughs> recorded a previous episode, when we recorded a previous episode of Four and Out, I talked to you about the idea of the merry-go-round, the quarterback merry-go-round, and I think I've been pretty spot on with that happening we've seen a lot of teams get new quarterbacks and one of the teams that i had in the kind of maybe pile a couple of months ago was san francisco and i know that chris you are a fan i almost said big fan but i wouldn't take it that far you're a fan of jimmy garoppolo you think he's good right 100 he's an absolute babe i'd have his babies <laughs> he's a very good looking man to be fair even nels nels must agree with that um <laughs> but um but the thing, the thing is, um, I think the 49ers don't believe in him. And I think that is absolutely clear that they've traded so much to jump up to number three. Um, <clears throat> now, this number three pick, um, a lot of people are kind of saying this is where the draft begins, really, because Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson are are. They're locked in. They're going to happen. There's no, there's no mock draft in the world that doesn't have them going one and two. This is where things get really interesting. I think we can narrow it down to, to say for certain that the 49ers are absolutely going to take a quarterback here. They've traded up for a quarterback. There's no other way about it. There's no there's no argument that works. It, it, it's just n- nothing else can happen there. They've traded up for a quarterback. Um, there are five, Chris, quarterbacks that are worthy of being taken in the first round. Um, and then, to be honest, there's a couple of desperate teams that might also really take a risk on 
players outside of the, those five. But the five are Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, who we've already talked about. You've got Justin Fields, quarterback from Ohio, Ohio State, who has had an incredible year um, last year. You've also got Trey Lance, who's the quarterback at North Dakota State, um, who has an incredible upside, and a lot of people are really excited about him. Um, and then finally, you've got Alabama quarterback Mac Jones, who last year had one of the best um, quarterback performances of recent years as he took Alabama to being the best team in, in college football. Okay, so the players that we have left here are Justin Fields, Trey Lance and Mac Jones. Now, what's really interesting is that all three of those players are very, very different. Justin Fields, I totally agree with Nels. He has the most upside out of all of the quarterbacks in this draft, um, maybe apart from Trevor Lawrence, of course. But Justin Fields, in truth, should have been going second. It just so happens that the Jets are settled on Wilson. So you would think that I would be picking Justin Fields here. But I'm not picking Justin Fields here. Interestingly, the word on the street and what everybody is talking about is actually seemingly comes down to Trey Lance and Mac Jones. And it totally depends on what the 49ers are looking for. If the 49ers are looking to start Jimmy Garoppolo next year, set somebody and do a Mahomes on them, then Trey Lance is a good pick because Trey Lance cannot start week one. He's been playing alongside a bunch of jobbers out at North Dakota State. Um, it's not, it's it's like he, he doesn't play in the best division of college football. Um, but what he has done for them is is pretty impressive. I wouldn't start on week one. The interesting thing about Mac Jones is he's not the flashiest quarterback, and by no means he's not the best. He's he's like not the best. He's probably the worst out of the five in terms of like sheer ability. However, Playing at quarterback for Alabama gives you a certain readiness for NFL. They are they are the most ready NFL team out of all the teams in college football. You you could probably bin off like the Houston Texans because we all hate the Houston Texans because they're run absolutely terribly and put Alabama college football team into the NFL and they would do better than the Houston Texans. Um, and I just think what the 49ers are looking for here is somebody who is NFL ready, who is a similar-ish build to Jimmy Garoppolo, but maybe just will be a bit better. So, what would have seemed like a an absolutely mental pick a month ago seems to be what is trending towards happening, which is that the San Francisco 49ers are going to go with Mac Jones, quarterback from Alabama at number three, which is what I will pick. Good, right. Well, lock in Mac Jones to the 49ers. I think that'd be quite unexpected. I think that, I mean, even me as like a draft noob, I know that Alabama have been sort of reigning supreme at the top of the college football world for a good few years. But Nels, you sort of indicated it with your thumb there. I'm guessing you're not on the Jimmy Garoppolo hype train. How do you see this panning out? I'm guessing you don't see Mac Jones going there. Do you see Jimmy starting? Is he done in San Fran? What's happening there? Well, um, I'm not the biggest fan of Jimmy Garoppolo, but I, I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I just think he doesn't fit San Francisco's scheme, and I think he struggled there. He's shown his talent as a quarterback when he filled in for Tom Brady at New England, you know, in that short stint where Tom Brady was suspended for deflating balls. Um, 
I do think, however, that San Francisco are going to move on from him. Um, I Personally, I think the pick is going to be Justin Fields, but I can see why um, Scott's gone with Mac Jones here, and I, I respect it. I also think that um, if they do pick Mac Jones, he won't be an instant starter. He'll be like a development prospect that they can maybe play six games in or 12 games into the year. Excellent. Well, let's hope that this pick pans out the way Sanfran need it because there's a lot of picks that have been moved to get to this spot, so hopefully they'll make the right choice. But we move on now to pick number four, Atlanta Falcons. Matt Ryan is pretty settled in his job as quarterback there. So will we finally get another position off the board for the Falcons? Nils? So the Falcons have had a very hard 2020. Obviously, they they um, let go of head coach Dan Quinn and brought in Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator of the Tennessee Titans, to take over as head coach. And um, they could essentially pick the heir apparent to Matt Ryan here for a complete reset. Now, Justin Fields is an option here, absolutely. So is Trey Lance. You know, three quarterbacks have gone off the board. The Falcons might be looking at this and thinking, oh, we really have to pick our quarterback now if we want to have any chance of rebuilding our franchise this year. But I don't think the Falcons are going to go for a quarterback this year. I think they're going to put off a complete rebuild for next year. They've already got, you know, decent enough weapons in Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and Todd Gurley. They might just look for a little bit of extra protection or a little bit of an athlete that can, you know, free them up um, from, you know, defensive backs in the league. So the perfect fit for that is the best athlete in the draft right now. And he plays for the Florida Gators and his name is is Carl Pitts. He's six foot six, 240 pounds. He moves like a freight train. I remember watching a game last, uh, was it last year? Yes, it was last year. Um, watching Ed Orgeron and Joe Burrow's LSU take on um, the Florida Gators. And in the middle of the game, they pulled coach Ed Orgeron over for an interview and they asked him, Ed, what do you have to do to beat this Florida Gators team? Because Florida were giving LSU a really good game. And he said, we got to stop Kyle Pitts. That was their game plan, just put as, as many people as they could on him and stop Kyle Pitts because he was just running riot on LSU. And I think it's going to be the same within the league when, once he gets there. You know, he's going to have the opportunity to, you know, block for Matt Ryan. So, like, you know, if he's if he's blocking, that frees up Matt Ryan, gives him a bit more protection. But also, he's a viable receiving threat, which, you know leave someone like Julio Jones in single coverage instead of maybe double coverage or lets um, Todd Gurley get the screen pass off safely, you know? So I think at number four, my pick here is a little bit of a curveball, but it's, it's going to be Kyle Pitts. Well, let's lock in Kyle Pitts from Florida to the Atlanta Falcons. I don't think it's that well to pick. He's ranked fifth overall of uh, PFF's available players. Uh, I love the pick. I feel like the tight end is the single most underrated possession um, in terms of, like, skill set. You know, like, wide receivers, running backs are all flashy, but tight end is one of the most difficult positions to play. You you have so many teams that have great blocking tight ends that couldn't catch a ball thrown straight at them. Uh, you have so many tight ends that are pretty good at catching the ball but can't stop the quarterback getting annihilated on a play when they have to bring in as, um, come in as an extra blocker. So I like this pick. I especially think that Matt Ryan's probably in the twilight of his career. 
build around him. Like, you know he's good. He's got you to a Super Bowl in the past. He's won the um, Offensive Player of the Year award in the past as well. So, like, you know, build around what's good at your team. So, yes, I like the pick. Uh, we roll on now to the Bengals with the fifth pick of the draft. They had a pretty high pick last year, um, and uh, they're back near the bottom of the draft again. So, Scott, where do you see this going? I think the Bengals are in a really interesting position in this draft in that they, whatever way the top four picks go, I really can't see the Bengals missing out on their top pick. And I think the Bengals are 50-50. And I honestly, from what I've been reading, the Bengals are not going to decide what they want until the night. They are stuck between two picks. And those two picks are completely different things, but both involve Big Joey B. Um, so obviously Burrow last year, he had a pretty decent season until his leg snapped like a twig. Um, and they basically have the option of reuniting Joey Burrow with his number one target from LSU, Jamar Chase. And now bear in mind, okay, Jamar Chase took a year out of football and is still a, the highest rated wide receiver, but B, is in like effectively the top five rated players to come out of college football this year. That tells you how good he's going to be. You know, um, I can't I can't even like think of a comparison, but this guy is enormous. Like he's going to be up there with your Julio Joneses from year one. So you bring him in and immediately that Bengals offense is a bit scary. But the problem is, for me, with, with that pick, is that it leaves Burrow open to the exact same thing happening as what happened last year. Um, he was one of the most targeted quarterbacks uh, successfully last year. N- n- you know, no wonder he got injured. So for me, you have to protect him. And the guy you protect him with is Oregon tackle Panay Sewell, who is looking like a year one like all pro tackle he's going to be one of the best um tackles in 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 football effectively straight away um so for me i have to go with protecting joe burrow at number five and pick panay so but i can't stress enough the bengals are in a pretty sweet situation with this pick they have um a decision to make be it panay so or jamar chase but I would say there's a 99% chance that both players are still available when it gets to them. Okay, let's lock Panay in for the fifth overall pick. Um, I agree. I mean, like I've watched the Bengals a lot in my time. I think that they they scared me a lot with the pick of uh, Joe. I really started to worry. I was like, well, we've had a fun run in this <laughs> AFC North. It'll be, I guess this is my 25-year twilight of my NFL fandom where we're terrible for the rest of my life um and i agree like i have taken the piss out of bengals um receivers for so long i badmouth aj green at every possible opportunity saying he's just an absolute waste he's you know wasted this long beautiful career he had by achieving almost nothing um i could see jamar chase going there and making me feel silly for the rest of my nfl fandom but I think you're right, and it's again, it's almost the exact same as what I said about Matt Ryan. Build around what's good, right? And a quarterback can't throw the ball if he's on his bum half the time. And that's what kept happening to the Bengals last year. Just couldn't keep the quarterback upright. So, very happy to lock um, Penai Sewell 
Is that how you say it? Um, in at number five. Nels, um, it was a bit of a coin flip there for Scott, but are you joining him in that decision? Yeah, I think that's the right decision. <laughs> Sorry. My sister turned the light off. Um, yeah, I think that's the right decision. Um, you have to invest in protecting your quarterback. And I don't know if you saw the Bengals' um, uniform reveal, but he has a gnarly scar on his knee. It is not pretty. So you don't want that happening to your quarterback again. You need to protect him. So I'm not mad at that pick at all. Nice one. So we're on to pick six. And this is the Miami pick that was originally Philadelphia's involved in the number three overall pick. Essentially, Miami traded up to then trade back down. Somewhere it must make sense to someone. So <laughs> pick six, Nels. Who are Miami taking? Well... You see, now we've taken Panay Sewell off the board, and that is, of course, I'm not mad at the pick, but it is a big 50-50 decision for the Bengals. Um, in Miami, they have an issue, is that they've got their quarterback in Tua Tonga-Vailoa, and I think he's great. I really think he's the future of that franchise. You know, he can run, he can pass, he can do it all, and he's a left-handed quarterback, which is something you don't often see a lot of in the NFL. I think... Um, he's got three options here. And the three options are Heisman winner, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, the leading receiver from Alabama, or of course the consensus best wide receiver in the draft this year, Jamar Chase. Now, out of the three, of course, you might think Tua Tagovailoa Tua, um, was obviously a Bama boy, um, like Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. And you might want to reunite him with targets he he's comfortable with and he knows but I think you know with questions around Devontae Smith's size um he weighed in at 170 pounds on his pro day which is a little bit of an issue um as a wide receiver because you know you you, you don't want your receivers to be too fragile um and that is a question that has been wavered around Devontae Smith's head over the last uh, six or so weeks I think the the smart pick here and the pick that the Dolphins should make is if he's still on the board you should go with Jamar Chase from LSU because, as Scott said, he is the best wide receiver in this draft. Scott, what's the um, most obvious difference between Chase and Smith? Height. Simple as that. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of them is built like Nels and one of them is built like you. Um, that really sums listen, it up quite nicely. <laughs> listen, there, there is absolutely unnecessary um, and a need... For wide receivers that are built like you, Chris, you would make a fabulous wide receiver in the NFL. Um, Under 16s league. But they've all they've already got like Will Fuller. They've already got like these kind of guys that, that that can run like um you know flex routes and and run like uh, you know quick slants and stuff like that. What you need is a guy who, when you ping it right down, he's not going to miss. And I tell you what. If I was any secondary, I would be cacking my pants going up against Jamar Chase and Tua. So I think it's it's absolutely the right pick here. Yeah, it's a shame to miss out on that beautiful reunion um, at Bengals, but we know it's you know it's a business. It's not always as simple as that. Uh, a lot of people had um, those receivers ending up at the Lions, who are the seventh overall pick. Scott, who do you see? Who do you see going there? Do you know what that sound means? It's time for a trade. Mispronunciation of anyone's name. <laughs> it's time for a trade. I like it. I like okay, it. so here's where things get really interesting for me, right? Because 
I will be honest. I've got I've got my own draft board up right now. I've got my own war room, and four, no wait, five out of the past six picks, I've had my number one pick go. Okay, so that's fine. Everything so far has went exactly the way that I'd prepared it to. This is where I think things get shaken up a little bit because there's teams that are sitting outside of the top five, quite a few, who are either completely needing a quarterback or are slyly thinking about getting a new quarterback. And we still have two great quarterbacks left in this draft. Actually, I would go as far to say as we have a guy on the board who is just going to be one of the biggest stars of the NFL for the next 10 years in Justin Fields. He's still on the board. We need to we need to think about teams now that are thinking Christ almighty, this is actually worth dra- worth worth trading up for. Um and I am going to go for the most beautiful poetry here. I'm going to go for the most beautiful poetry. And I'm going to say that it's quite a small trade up, but it's going to but it is a trade up that needs to happen because You see the team at number eight, the Panthers. They have Darnold on a one-year deal. They are going to think about a quarterback, okay? But do you know who else is thinking about a quarterback? The New England Patriots. Oh. Okay? So, with both of those things in mind, Nelson's getting scared because the move that he doesn't want to happen out of every single move, like, I'm pretty sure Nelson would give up all of Seattle's picks this year to have Justin Fields not go to the Patriots because he would be in a world of heart through that. Absolutely. 100%. So the good thing is I'm not going to do that because I don't think that's going to happen, okay? I don't Thank think God. No, nah, no. Nah. I'm not going to do that. Um, because there's one other team. There is one other team that I think secretly really want a quarterback here and it all fits together too nicely to avoid. I'm going to have... The Denver Broncos at number nine trade up for the number seven spot. So if you could go into the trade window and force through a trade, it doesn't really matter kind of what you tack on as long as you hit the B, the B force button. But let's have the Denver Broncos, please, move up to number seven. And who's going to be running through those fields but the Broncos themselves? It's a horse's pun. We're going to go for Justin Fields to the Denver Broncos and finally, Christ Almighty, finally, we get a good quarterback at what, for me, since I've been watching football, has been a team that just exemplifies good quarterbacks, the Denver Broncos. We finally get a good quarterback in there because Drew Lock hasn't worked. Let's go Justin Fields to the Denver Broncos at number seven with trade-up. Brilliant. Um, I'm glad that I managed to figure out the technical side of making <laughs> those buttons happen. But yes, we just did a straight, we just did a straight swap in our PFF draft. They've just voluntarily swapped <laughs> positions with no other incentive involved whatsoever. Thank God I am not being graded on my draft. But yes, um, Denver Broncos on the clock at number seven, taking Justin Fields. This is huge. This officially means that you are off the Drew Lock hype train. But Nels, I think another issue that the Denver Broncos have is a lot like the New York teams is that Denver fans are they are a a, a large people. They 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 have a fan base pretty much one of the biggest in the entire NFL pretty much everything in the northwest 
of the United States, with the exception of Seattle, they all support the Denver Broncos. So you can't mess with this team too much. That's why they went in so hard on Peyton Manning, won a Super Bowl. But John Elway has been heavily criticized for some of the things that he has done to this team in the last five years. Most notably, they have achieved almost nothing. <laughs> so um, are you taking fields to, De uh, to Denver? Nearly said Detroit. Honestly, um, I'll take it because, you know, like I said, I'm very scared about the New England Patriots trading up to trade for um, Justin Fields. Honestly, I had the Broncos taking Fields at nine anyway. I saw that happening. What I, what I thought was going to happen at this point was the um, the Lions were going to take either Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle or potentially... Uh, Michael Parsons because two of their needs are wide receivers and linebackers and then Trey Lance at eight to the um, Panthers and then Fields at nine but it's kind of throwing a spanner in my works but I'm not too mad about it I'm, I'm just glad that Justin Fields is not a Patriot well Patriots haven't made any moves as of yet but we're now at number eight overall um, the Lions and the Broncos have swapped positions with the Panthers sitting nicely at number eight between them. And uh, we're back to the even numbers. So Nels, what's going to happen? Yeah, I think um, Scott raised a very good point in the fact that the, the Panthers have Sam Donald on a one-year deal. So that's basically kind of signaling that we don't know if this is going to work out, but we're going to try it anyway. The Panthers had their best success in recent memory when they had a dual threat quarterback that was about six foot five and built like a tank and his name was cam newton now obviously cam has gone to the new england patriots and honestly i hope it works out for him there former nfl mvp of course but i do think the panthers have one eye on the future and the perfect replacement for someone that they could you know kind of get in that um in that Cam Newton like stature would be Trey Lance. He's six foot four, 226 pounds, and he's a sophomore coming out of North Dakota State University. Um, over the last um, two years at North Dakota State, he's been amazing for them. He's a dual threat quarterback. He can throw, he can run. The only issue with Trey Lance is, is he isn't the most accurate quarterback, and sometimes he does struggle throwing the ball. Like he can throw it. But don't expect him to be hit like throwing bullets that are so accurate. Um, I think that's the pick that makes sense here. They get to build him up for the future, and we may see, you know, the return of Carolina to the playoffs with this pick. Nels, do you know what? Um, this is a show which highly favors Cam Newton. It doesn't even matter what he achieves in his career. We just love the man, so you can definitely come back. Now, Lance, um, I don't know much about him, as I've said from the very beginning, but I do know that according to PFF, he produced a 1.7% turnover-worthy play rate, which for context is better than Trevor Lawrence. Now, this excites me. I like that the, there could be this kind of underdog hero of the NFL next year, especially if it's the underdog heroes of the entire NFL, the Carolina Panthers. They always seem to achieve more than what is expected of them. Um, so, yeah, I like this pick. Scott, you happy with um, Trey Lance Vance Dance coming to the Carolina Panthers? I've just completed Vice City, I'm sorry. Incredible. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think that, for me, if I were on this pick and Trey Lance is the only quarterback left, listen, I just think if we get to this point on Thursday night, 
I think that the Patriots and I think potentially the Chicago Bears and maybe another couple of teams might be desperate enough to throw way too much Carolina's way for this pick. And I think Carolina might be in the position to go, you know what? Let's roll the dice with Darnold and not take a quarterback here. So I think that Trey Lance works for them. I think they'd be very chuffed by getting Trey Lance, but I think there might also be a trade here as well. Um, but it's a good pick. It's a great pick. Um, and yeah, I think we basically just selected five quarterbacks in the first 10 picks. When was the last time that happened? You know, it's pretty mental. Um, and I think Chris, I told you this, um, that I, I foresaw this happening a few months ago and you called me a madman, but here we are. I love it. I've forgotten most of the stuff that I've ever learned about the NFL draft. So this is so exciting for me. Um, most importantly, I just really like using this little selector thing. I feel like all the power is in my hands, but it's like I'm getting the praise for you guys doing all the work. Um, but we're halfway down before we take a short break. So let's go on to pick number nine. They got bumped earlier from pick number seven. And thanks to my draft system, didn't really get rewarded for it. But let's just imagine for a moment that the Detroit Lions are somehow at pick number nine. Um, so what's going to happen here? Okay, so the the Lions at number nine. Okay, one thing you have to you have to know about the Lions is that they are fully like I I think one phrase that's going to come up a lot in this episode and our next one is three words win now mode, and there's a lot of teams that are in win now mode, and there's also a lot of teams that are not in win now mode who are happy to kind of take players and take picks, and you're not going to believe this. But it's time for another trade because the Lions are a team who are absolutely gathering picks right now. They are happy to trade down. They are happy to trade out. They've got Jared Goff. He's not the future, but he'll do. He'll do for now. And this is a, 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 a draft class, which is quite good in terms of wide receivers. There's there's quite a lot of depth. Okay. Um. And as I say, I, I don't think the Lions are in are, are in win-now mode. But you know what team they are? The Arizona Cardinals. So I'm going to have the Arizona Cardinals trade up here. I'm going to have the Arizona Cardinals trade up to number nine. Um, You can just do your wee force straight swap thing. The Lions just being very generous um, at the moment. But but in reality, um, they will obviously have gathered a lot of picks from that first trade and they'll gather a lot of picks from this trade as well. Um. Now, the Arizona Cardinals, from what I've been reading, the word on the street is that the Arizona Cardinals really want to roll with Kyler Murray and they want to make sure he wins this year because he is playing in the hardest division in football and he's also surrounded by already a great roster, but they've missed the playoffs now. Um, You know, they they, they did miss the playoffs uh, last year, didn't they? Um, Despite the fact that they had a winning season which is nuts. Um, they, they were a good team, but maybe they're just lacking a little bit. And what a lot of teams are doing at the moment is they are somehow just building out the flashiest rosters and offense that they can. You look at the Buccaneers, they've got about four wide receiver ones on their squad. It's pretty insane, okay? So the Arizona Cardinals are going to copy that, and they're going to draft Jalen Waddle. They're going to draft Jalen Waddle, wide receiver, Alabama. This guy would, I, I, I was going to say, 
would have been a perfect um, like for like for Kenny Galladay. He is enormous. He will come in. He will do the job for them. And now, Kyler Murray's looking down the field. On the one side, he's got DeAndre Hopkins. And on the other, he's got Jalen Waddle. Scary. Now, I like this. And who am I to even think about criticizing anything? But just in terms of the trades, you said yourself that the Detroit Lions are a wide receiver needy team, especially um, a team that need to build around golf. So why don't they take one of the two huge receivers from Alabama that are on the board? They they absolutely can, but I think there's a lot of teams, and we're going to see this on Thursday if it's right or not, there's a lot of teams that are just desperate right now. They are desperate to win. They are desperate to build the flashiest, biggest rosters they can. And I think the Lions know themselves they are way off the mark. So they need to, they need to just take stock right now. It would be the smart thing for them to do. If they if they get to nine, they will have the opportunity to draft Jalen Waddle, and maybe they should. But I also think they'll have a couple of calls. They'll have a couple of people ringing them up for that number nine spot who are really desperate. And I think the Cardinals are desperate to make Kyler Murray work before they need to decide whether they want to pay him or not. Absolutely. Right. Well, we roll on. That um, Devonta Smith is still on the board. He's, you know, and my... One hour of knowledge of the NFL draft. He's the biggest name on there by a mile. But we'll get to see what happens next. Um, He'll have to wait a little bit longer. We head back to Nels. And at number 10, we have America's team. It's the Dallas Cowboys armed with Dak Prescott. Hopefully for a good while longer. And uh, what do you think is going to happen here? Well, um, pick number 10. A pick I'm very interested in. Because, of course, we have Dak and the boys in the um, driver's seat right now. Now, <clears throat> Cowboys have a great offensive line. They always do. Um, so I don't see them picking up a tackle here. Um, I think if they're going to pick up a tackle, it's going to be during free agency, but I don't think they really need one. Like Their offensive line is fine. Kyle Pitts is already off the board, and they do. I do think they want to fill that um, Jason Witten-sized hole in their team, but unfortunately with carpets off the board, there's no what there's no other tight end worth taking in the first round right now. So and you look at their offense, they've just paid Dak Prescott. They've got a great um running back in Ezekiel Elliott, but he needs to fix up because guy was looking like an uncle last year. He did not look good. He was if dare I say it and I really can't talk, he was kinda overweight. He really needs to sort it out. You know? Um but if Zeke can get back to his best, they're sorted on offense. You know, between um, him, Amari Cooper, and CD Lamb, like they're gonna be fine on offense. So I don't see them picking up Devonte Smith as um, you know the, the Heisman winner at this point. And I don't think he fits in the Cowboys scheme anyway right now. So who I see the Dallas Cowboys picking up at number ten, they need to uh, address their defensive issues. Now there's two ways they could go. They could go edge. Or they could go corner. And I think, because if you remember last year, they were going back and forth in shootouts with teams like, you know, Seattle, Atlanta. They were just like trading touchdowns all over the place. So they got the firepower on offense, but they need to sort out their defense. And I think that begins and starts with the consensus best cornerback in the draft this year, Patrick Sertain second. He's a great corner Played at Bama for three years, I believe. Yeah, he's a junior. Um, 
He got he got two defensive touchdowns last year, four in total over the three years at Bama. Um, his cover like he got targeted forty eight times and only allowed twenty one receptions in the last year. Fantastic pick. I definitely think that's where the Dallas Cowboys go. So I'm going to lock in Patrick Sertain the second to the Dallas Cowboys. I love this pick, and do you know what? As good as um, as good as it always is in the NFL to watch those games that you spoke about, those college games where it's like 54-48, like there's a problem there. Yes, the team can score, as you said, but they can't back it up on the other side of the field, and I feel like that's the most important thing. You're never going to win a Super Bowl just by attempting to outscore the team you're playing against. You'll eventually just hit... A defense that doesn't allow you to do that, you know, a la Seattle and Denver in the Super Bowl, where Seattle just destroyed the Broncos, and it was, you know, hilarious to watch. But Certain goes to pick number ten for the Cowboys. That is Certain. I'm sorry, uh, Scott. What's happening at pick eleven for the Giants? Yeah, um, I also just want to say, like, well up the defense. Finally, we got a we got a defensive pick, and they're just into the top ten. Normally, in the NFL draft, it's all, all defense, and you go, ooh, finally a, a quarterback or a wide receiver, but Christ almighty, this year is just offense heavy. Um, so, yeah, um, I think uh, Sertain is absolutely the right pick there. Now, for me, at 11, we land on the Giants, and um, I think the Giants will probably take a bit of a risk here. So... They will be looking at the board, and the most important thing for them is protecting um, and helping Danny Dimes. Um, this really needs to be Daniel Jones's breakout year. And we saw last year that the division that they're in sucks ass. It is the it is the suckiest, assiest division in football, really. Um, and the Cowboys made it into the playoffs with a freaking broken leg. They Greg Jennings all the way to the playoffs somehow. Um, that's just how bad the Giants were, really, is that they had their starting quarterback the whole year. Um, the other three teams in that division didn't. And um, they didn't get to the playoffs. They sucked. And you can put a lot of that down to Saquon Barkley getting injured. But this is a kid who's had two season-ending injuries out of the three seasons he's been in the NFL, it's a bit of a worry. Um, so you really, really need to help. Yeah, you need to help Danny Dimes a bit. Um, they could go wide receiver here. They could throw in Devontae. Um, they've obviously brought in Kenny Galladay. That'll help a lot um, because I do think that they were missing something like that. Um, they've still got their, their man at tight end, um, Evan Engram, who is, in my opinion, a stud tight end. He's one of the best in the NFL. Um, they could use more help on wide receiver. Do is is Devontae Smith the guy? I'm not so sure. What I think they'll do instead is draft a tackle for Danny Dimes, and I think that the best player left in this um, draft, however, he's a little bit of a risk. Is Rashawn Slater? So Rashawn Slater can play anywhere across that line. He is a complete chameleon. Um, the guy is absolutely massive as well. He is basically six foot four. Um, but one of the problems with him and the reason that he goes after Panay Sewell is that he's got a little bit of a, a sort of smaller frame for a guy that's six four. Um, and there was a few there was a few players that came off the board last year, like Tristan Wirfs, 
um, who were also like that, but have had a really, really good year. So I think that it is a bit of a risk for the Giants here. And you know what? They're probably not in the position to take a risk. But to have Rashawn Slater and his upside left on the board here is probably too good to pass. And the, the gulf in quality between Rashawn Slater and the next best tackle, which, uh, you know, could be Darisaw. I'm also thinking about Elijah Vera Tucker at this point. Um, I just think that they have to here go for Rashawn Slater. So my pick for the Giants here would be Rashawn Slater. I like it. Uh, Rashawn Slater, as you mentioned briefly there, opted out in 2020, which I don't think actually in the year that's gone is in any way a hindrance. I might even respect players more for opting out of you know putting themselves in the limelight and the hassle of playing in a season like the one that's just gone. But we'll lock in Rashawn. I'm all for this this mindset of like we have to defend our quarterback especially as you said so much about the giants just seems to center around like oh well it's fine barkley will win is it like and they don't think anything further than that and i mentioned at the top of the show as well new york just doesn't have it easy on their nfl teams and you know maybe that's rightfully so um and rashawn slater i'm sure you'll agree will not be a flashy pick for the giants but it's one that i think would be necessary um, defend your quarterback at all costs you, you know especially in a division where all of them got injured like that is there's a good reason for that is because all of the other defensive players in that division know how to destroy quarterbacks that is their job but let's lock that in um slater goes to the giants at pick 11 he was graded 11th pick uh, 11th best in the draft on pff so you know by them that would be their ideal pick and a lot of people also here, I'm seeing that a lot of fans want them, want Rashawn to go to the Giants as well. So we'll roll on to a potentially quarterback needy team and the Eagles at pick number 12. They got there via the 49ers and Giants from earlier. Oof, the Eagles have had some 12 months, Nels, but <laughs> what, what the hell is going to happen here? Well, I think I might get a lot of stick for this, but... Um... You know, I don't think the Eagles are a very good run franchise, and that's even with them offloading trash bag Wentz. As you know, I'm famously, famously not a fan of Carson Wentz. I don't think he's a great quarterback. But, um, you know, they have Jalen Hurts in the driving seat at the moment. I don't think they're going to move on from Jalen Hurts just yet. I think they're going to give him every opportunity in the world. However, knowing the Eagles, I don't think that they will supply him with a weapon. So I don't see them picking up a quarterback or a wide receiver. Um, so I think there's two potential picks right here for the Eagles. First one being the next best corner, JC Horn from South Carolina or Micah Parsons from Penn State. Now, Micah Parsons was said to have slid out the side of the top 10 because of um, attitude problems. And whilst I can't really comment on that, I do think he is the potential pick here. He's 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 an athletic linebacker that you can build, um, you know, your core around. He can a pass rush. He can drop back into coverage. He can do anything you need him to do. So for this one right now, I think um, that the uh, that the Philadelphia Eagles can um, are going to pick Michael Parsons at number twelve. I like it. Let's lock that in. Do you know what? Um, there's been a lot of turmoil 
and the onf- offensive side of the ball um, for the Eagles. And I think a really great way to distract the fans away from that would be to strengthen the other side of the ball. You know, um, it almost doesn't matter how good or bad your offense is if you can back up with a really good defense. So why not back up with a really great linebacker? I like the pick. Penn State as well. You wouldn't have to move very far, right? (laughs) Are we having that? Hopefully. Right, we'll roll on now to the unluckiest pick of the first round. Uh, The Chargers. That was an interesting season they just had as well. What are they going to do at pick 13? So the Chargers, yeah, it's going to be a really, really interesting one. There's a few things they can do. Um, and it's, it's really funny because I spoke earlier about the Bengals being have, having both of their top picks available. For me here, the Chargers also have two picks available, which is just going to be a hell of a headache to pick between. So I was speaking about the fact that Burrow was um, one of the most hit quarterbacks of last year. I said one of the most because the most hit quarterback was our boy at the Chargers, um, you know, and to, 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 to get hit the most and to win the offensive rookie of the year is quite some achievement from our very own little herbivore, Justin Herbs. Um, but he's, he's obviously going to be in the NFL for the next decade um, based on what we saw last year. So you need to protect him. You do. You absolutely need to protect him a bit more. Um, and there's a few players on the board who they could look at. So one of the names that I've seen quite a lot is Christian Darisaw. Um, I've seen his name so much in mock drafts. I'm now picturing uh, a bit of a kind of a blue and yellow buzz jersey on him every time I read his name. Um, however, however, they could also go for Elijah Vera Tucker again, who I know I've already mentioned, but Really, really um, good-looking tackle in Elijah Vera Tucker, too. My problem with all of this is I just don't think they're going to pick a tackle. I think there is a guy on the board right now who is the perfect pick for the Chargers. He does fill a very important need, which is cornerback. Um, Nels has already mentioned him. But honestly, over the past month or so, even though Patrick Sertain second is the number one corner, I wouldn't be surprised if you see J.C. Horn go over Patrick Sertain. And the reason I say that is this guy, if you're talking about athleticism, he's not far behind Kyle Pitts in terms of this class. This guy is enormous. He did the um, the um, the 40-meter dash in 4-4. He's got something mental like a, a 41.5 vertical leap or something stupid like that. Like this guy is a complete monster. He's the kind of guy that like you throw up, you throw back there, and whoever the attacking team are, they 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 just don't don't target that side because it's it's too scary. Um, and if I'm right in saying, um, the Chargers have already got an incredible corner on the other side as well. So that means that the Chargers become incredibly difficult to play against. Um, it does mean that they are in the need for a tackle. But I just can't see them passing on J.C. Horn at 13, so I'm going to pick him. The interesting thing is, is some might say that that's a little bit of a reach at 13. Um, J.C. Horn graded all the way down at 18th, but I think we all know that it's not about where you're ranked overall, it's where you're ranked in the needs of the team. And obviously the Chargers, good God, do they need 
players in that position. They need to stop hemorrhaging points. So um, I'd like to see JC Horn headed to the Chargers. Um, right, we've got a couple more left before we take a short break. And we are now rolling on to the Minnesota Vikings at pick number 14. They have some needs, but where are they going to go? Absolutely, you're right. They do have some needs. Can I just say, though, on that 13th pick, I think that's actually a great pick. Um, I, I don't think there is like a better corner on the board at that point other than JC Horn. And I really do think that the Chargers need to address their defense. Um, speaking of addressing their defense, it is definitely something that the Vikings need to do as well you know um they've got offensive weapons they've got wide receivers and you know justin jefferson they've got they've got the tight end that they need they've got the running back that they need and dalvin cook kirk cousins is okay at quarterback he can do the job you know he can do the job he can tr like just about get them over the line so i think here with number 14 the vikings start addressing their defense and the pick that i think that they should do it with if they have any sense is quitty paye now quitty paye is an edge rusher coming out of the michigan wolverines he slimmed down a little bit um for his pro day to show that he meant business you know that he can come off the edge quickly he'll be the quick fast powerful edge rusher that they need six foot four 261 pounds down from 272 um and i think one of his biggest strengths is his twitch he's very quick off the line so for pick number 14 i'm looking in quitty paye to the minnesota vikings i like it um you know what um vikings are a team who as you say it's like you know they spent so much money on Kirk cousins that they should be so much more successful than they have been like they always come out in the playoffs and sort of they'll maybe get an upset win. I think the Saints one stands out massively for me, but like for for what they've tried to achieve and what, how much they've spent, like it should be so much better. So let's hope Quetty helps that team to the improvements that they need to get. Um, okay, this is a big one, number fifteen, the New England Patriots. The champions of the NFL for the last 20 years now heading in a very different direction under Cam Newton, Bill Belichick. Not a great season last year, but what the hell are they going to do next year? Yeah, um, I mean, first of all, can I just say that I'm so happy that the final pick of this episode is going to be me not screwing else once, but twice because he's not even thought about the Lions at 16 yet, which is great. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does there. Um, but yeah, the Patriots. This one for me is really easy. Um, I actually potentially can only see the Patriots draft in one or two players. Um, one of them being Mac Jones if he lands to them or they trade up for him because he feels like the right kind of pick there. But the other one being a wide receiver. And they've got no chance of landing Jalen Waddle or Jamar Chase. No, the, the wide receiver that I've seen fall to the Patriots in a few drafts and the one that seems to make a lot of sense is absolutely Devontae Smith. And here he is, still on the board, ready to be picked up by the Patriots. He's a Heisman winner. Bill Belichick will like that. Um, you know, I think that the, they can't fix Cam Newton this season because they've already gone for free agency and they didn't touch it. And they also, I've had a look at this draft. They've not been successful in drafting up for him. When we get to Thursday, maybe maybe they will be successful in drafting up for a quarterback, but we're having them be unsuccessful drafting for a quarterback in this draft. I think that the pick for them is absolutely Devontae Smith. 
Finally, after being ranked 7th overall, Devontae Smith goes off our board to the Patriots at 15. Scott, I have to ask you, you know what I'm going to ask? Patriots drafting wide receivers. It's just not a thing that turns out very successfully very often. How'd they no. get around this? Um, I I think he's going to be good. Um, and the reason why he's going to be good is because he's already so much better than any of the wide receivers they've got um, at the Patriots. This guy, he won the Heisman. He was on the best team in college football last year that I've already said effectively played better than some of the mincier teams in the NFL. Um, so I think he is going to be successful. But obviously a great deal of that will come down to what the Patriots do at quarterback. Um, yeah, we're fans of Cam Newton on this show, but we also know he's limited. Um, so will they be a winning team this year? Maybe not. Um, but we will see kind of what they do for the future. Maybe a return for Jimmy Garoppolo is on the cards. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and then if you pair Jimmy Garoppolo up with Devontae Smith, I'd quite like to see that. So yeah, I, I, I think he will be successful. Um, I think it will depend what, what they want from him. I just think that, that um, Patriots fans will need to bear in mind that he's not going to be a Julio Jones. He's not going to be a DK Metcalf. He's not that kind of receiver. But I think he can be a star in this league for sure, like an, like a, like an Antonio Brown maybe. Don't speak that guy's name in my presence. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, okay, that, well, this leaves us quite nicely in the last pick of uh, the first half of the first round. The Detroit Lions have somehow fallen to <laughs> pick number 16 stumbling through picks grabbing them on their way down um but scott has you know he's backed up how they have ended up there they have many a need but with uh you know a, a large portion of great players still on the board who who do you nails have detroit lions taking trade down nails do it trade down again <laughs> <laughs> well you know something a few years i was watching the nfl network and i was watching the draft and it was going through team needs and on, uh, I can't remember which team, I think it might have been the Browns or the Jets, um, but it said team needs and it was it just said everything. So I think that is somewhat the case here with the Lions. I'm not going to lie, I didn't have them trading down twice. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, trading down a third time wouldn't make much sense. So at this, as much as they want to collect picks and build for the future, I think at this point... They absolutely do have to address at least one of their needs, you know, with new quarterback Jared Goff coming in. So the needs that they have, they need they need everything across the D-line. They, they need every defensive position, basically. So I think there's two, um, there's two potential picks that they could go with here. Christian Barmore from Alabama. He's a big interior defensive lineman. You can play him at nose tackle or defensive tackle. You know, he's a good run stopper. Um, he played most of his um, snaps in the um, B gap. So that means he's essentially like um, more of a defensive tackle than nose tackle, but he has played a few in the A gap. Um, I also think that a potential pick is the big safety from TCU, Trevon Morig. Six foot two, two hundred and two pounds. It's pretty big for a safety. Um, he's really good at you know finding the ball, whether that be you know rushing or um, you know intercepting. He's really, really good at finding the ball. So I think, I mean, I can't trust really the the um, the Lions to make a good pick here, but I guess um, at this point. 
they either take one of those two guys and I'm going to go with what I believe their safer option is and that's to, you know, partner up Jeff Okuda with another DB to build, you know, their own version of the Legion of Boom and I'm going to lock in Trevon Morig to the Detroit Lions at pick 16. I think I said this to Scott on a previous episode. There's never been a time where I've been like, oh yeah, Detroit Lions are really going to go in and smash this game. Like, never confidently picked them to win any game in their entire existence in my life. And, you know, they've won, I think they've won, like, a handful of wildcard berths. They've not won the division in about two millennia. So anything that they can do to help them move in a better direction, I really want to see happen. Um, I think that, the, you know, the golf move's interesting. Um, you know the Detroit Lions, sorry, I just really want to say this. You know the Detroit Lions were the first team to ever go 0-16 in the NFL? Of course they in were. 2008. I, rem I remember when the New England Patriots were going for the like most consecutive wins record, and to get it, they had to beat the Detroit Lions, who were on their 0-16 season. And I was just like, I wonder, guys, could you just do this? And... Yes, uh, they the, <laughs> they did not. <laughs> the Patriots absolutely trounced them. So yeah, do you know what? Just any I said this a bit about um, a couple of teams earlier on. Just anything they can do to even just improve the rep of the Lions would be so so good for them. Even just like the trades they've already made will give the team a little bit of hope. Just give just give the fans some hope heading into this season. That is exactly what you need to do. But that leaves us with the Raiders on the clock and before we get into those we're going to wrap up for this show we've done the first 16 picks and I'll take you through them again really quickly I'll butcher these names Lawrence is going to go to the Jags at number one Wilson to the Jets at two Jones to the Niners at three and then our first non-quarterback off the board, Kyle Pitts goes to the Falcons at four. Panay Sewell uh, goes to the Bengals at five. Jamar Chase, big wide receiver, goes to the Dolphins via the Eagles at six. Justin Fields, their other quarterback, goes to the Broncos. Trey Lance goes to the Panthers. Jalen Waddell, wide receiver, goes to the Cardinals. Patrick Sertain, the second, goes to the Dallas Cowboys. Ra Rashwan. Slater goes to the Giants, Micah Parsons to the Eagles, JC Horn to the Chargers, Quiti Paye to the Vikings, and our last couple, Devonta Smith finally off the board at the Patriots at 15, and via many, many picks, the Lions get Trevon Morig at pick 16. Guys, thank you so much for your hard work on those first 16 picks, but we've got 16 left. We've already done the biggest 16 picks. Now let's go back and do the biggest 16 teams, those who actually performed quite well nice. at the end of last year and are in the latter stages of the draft. Who's going to get a steal? Because it's always difficult at the end of that first round to pick up some big picks. Uh, Scott, thank you for everything. Uh, I liked your eight picks so far. I'm looking forward to what's coming next. Thank you, yeah. And thanks, Nels, for joining us as well. Thanks for having me, boys. It's been a real pleasure. Stay right there, because we will be back very, very soon in the next episode where we're going to do picks 17 to 32. Mm -hmm.